It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Crunching the numbers. Thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre, a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Stephen Huss coming to you. Uh, I'm actually in the United States in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and I have a a friend and fellow coach with me, a guy named, by the name of Chris Tons. Chris, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, appreciate uh, the chance to be on this call. No, absolutely. Well, we're bringing, uh, we're bringing back crunching the numbers. We want to talk about data and analytics, statistics in tennis, and we also want to apply it not only to the highest level, but to uh, the people at home, the people who are playing on weekends, Wednesday nights, uh, whatever your competition may be. Um, we think that uh, data and analytics has a, has a place in the game and that people of all levels uh, can get better from it. So, Chris, I wanted to just talk a couple more things about you. Uh, You're originally from California, correct? Yeah, I grew up in San Diego, um, played on the tour for a little bit. And now um, I'm on I'm on the tour again. I'm I'm traveling with this girl, Claire Liu. Um, She's top 100 right now. So uh, this year it's been crazy. We've been all been all over. It's been a lot of traveling. Yeah, no, I understand. Obviously, you started in Australia and then you were in the Middle East in Doha, Dubai. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We did a 16-hour flight to Australia, came back for, uh, I think, two weeks, and then we had to go another 16 to, to Dubai and then, then Doha and back home. So now, right now, I'm in Charleston, finally the clay court season. The, so far this year, Doha was super slow. Uh, Indian Wells, probably the slowest court out there. And then um, Miami was really slow, too. So it's... Uh, it's not much of a change, honestly. Charleston is actually faster. These clay courts, the hard true, is probably faster than Indian Wells, in my opinion. Wow, that's interesting. I know that's yeah. certainly something that's happened over the past uh, sort of 25 years as the surfaces have definitely slowed down, haven't they? Even the grass yeah. is slower than it used to be. Except for Australia, that just seems to keep getting quicker, in my opinion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe they're trying to uh, help the Australian players. Yeah, I think I think so. Help help Barty slice. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, one of these uh, episodes we might get stuck into uh, a bit of Ashton Barty data and analytics since she's now retired after an incredible career and, and an awesome ambassador for tennis. But uh, it'd be fun to look yeah. through her stuff, and we can probably reveal a few things about her now that. Uh, now that nobody's playing against her anymore in a competitive yeah, arena. But anyway, that would be great. 
Uh, let's move on. One of the things I wanted to mention is that both Chris and myself, although we have worked at the higher levels of the game, you know, with players right up in the top 100 and playing slams, we've, we've also worked with recreational players. And I'm currently working with juniors sort of between the ages of 13 and 17. Chris, just give us a little bit of an insight into some of the different levels that you've worked at as well. When I'm back, I, I have uh, some really good 18-year-olds, uh, uh, boys and girls. So that's kind of nice because, uh, you know, that, that can challenge the, the girl I travel with, Claire, especially some of the boys, they, they can beat up on her. So that really helps her. But yeah, I have uh, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good juniors, but then I, I also work with some younger players, kids just starting out. I, I don't, doesn't really matter who I work with as, you know, as long as they want to be on the court and they're, they're having fun and I'm down. So I work with all levels. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I worked with a gentleman uh, back in Blacksburg in his 50s, uh, a guy named Dave that I really enjoyed working with and uh, certainly boys and girls at all levels. So we want to try and relate this uh, data and analytics um, to all the levels of tennis. And, and yes, sometimes we'll look at pro tournaments and statistics from that to look at the biggest matches. Um, but what I thought I'd start with, Chris, I wanted to throw a question at you. And that was... Um, what sort of an important statistic that, you know, parents that are listening, players at home, kids that are playing, what's a really important statistic that they can start to track without too much difficulty that can have an impact on improving their performance? Oh, wow. You're putting me on the hot seat pretty, pretty quick here. Uh, so hey, I, no, I know. didn't. Don't make that up. I <laughs> told you off air that I was going to ask you that. All right. So don't bring that. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, it, I, I think the, the first thing that, that I really look for whatever level is, is serve in return. I think those are, those are the key. If, if you can't get the serve in, can't get the return and we can't start the point. So a, a lot of what happens in a point, how it develops starts right there. So if I, if I had to pick one thing um, that I think is common at all levels uh, is, is focus on that first. And sometimes let me just build on that. I'll, I'll get uh, like I had a, a girl a couple months back and she said, Hey, I want to make one more ball. And, and I said, you know where that starts? That starts with the actual first shot after serve and return. And she's like, no, I'm good there. And I can tell you, she probably wasn't good there, but I said, it, it's almost the same with, with everyone. You, you want to produce a good ball there first, instead of saying, I want to make ball number nine or ball number 10 and we can get into that a little later, but uh, yeah, definitely the serve return and the first shot after the serve and first shot after return would be a great starting place. What do you think? Yeah, now there's certainly, that's a bit of a sort of a buzzword or a, a phrase around tennis over the last sort of few years. And I was probably made famous by, uh, our, you know, my countryman, Craig O'Shaughnessy, who, who runs Brain Game Tennis and has really brought light to the fact that rally length is a lot shorter in matches than you know is typically done in practice so if we talk about rally length we want to define that and it's usually grouped when you work with statistics uh, and the data that they track in zero to four you know five to eight and then now they're doing nine plus so basically the nine plus is all the longer rallies and the zero to four, the zero would be a double fault where nothing goes into play. And then the first four shots are obviously the serve, the return. The first shot after the serve, which is often called the, the serve plus one, 
and then the first shot after the return, which is often called the return plus one. Can you perhaps give us some of the statistics that you have researched and known around you know, men and women? And if you know, if they're, are they applicable to juniors as well around what percentage of the matches are played um, with only the first four shots, as in the point ends in the zero to four. Uh, how often does that happen, Chris, in your research? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and it does depend, you know, what type of players are on the court. You know, is there someone like Serena or someone with the, you know, big serving and going for big shots? Their one to four is going to consume more points. I think Serena played Osaka, maybe it was um, 2020. U.S. Open Finals or 2019, and I think I believe 67% of the points were were actually one to four. But then you get like um, Halep plays Sloan at the French. I believe it was still above 50, and it, it might have been a little below 50, which would be impressive. But bottom line is, this is to me, this is why it's so important. Is you're normally seeing a definitely above 50%. So more than half of the points are one to four. And that's why it's so important, but you're probably seeing more like, you know, high fifties or, or, you know, low sixties. So if you think about that, six out of 10 points are, are go pretty quick. I like to tell the people that I work with is, you know, I like to say at least half of the points you play are going to end in the first four shots. So that's only two shots for you and two for your opposition. So that's an area where you really want to be good. And of course, there are, you know, some outliers here and there, you know, if, if Isner and Opelka play each other. Uh, which they did last year on an indoor hard court. You know, it goes up to, I think it was, I think it was about 71% were, you know, first four shots. Uh, and then there are certainly examples in, in Grand Slam matches where the zero to four is even in the 40s, so 45, 46%, but that's pretty unusual. But for everyone at home to realize that basically in a tennis match, all the points you play, at least half of them are going to end in your f- own first two shots. So to concentrate on the serve and the, the first shot after the serve and the return and the first shot after the return, I think is incredibly important. And I don't think this is a, it's no, so, not so much a new subject um, in data and analytics, but I do think it's been misunderstood. So can you maybe talk about um, how it's been misunderstood and, and, how, uh, wow. and how, how you think yeah. That you can be good in the first four shots. So good, yeah. So I, when you were saying that, I was I was thinking we we should really talk about you know a little bit clear understanding of of this one to four. And so that's great you you actually brought it up. But I remember when that first came out, and I want to say that was in like 2006 or right around then. Is the, my old coach at, at UC Irvine, Trevor Croneman. You know he, he he's like, oh look at this. So one to four. You know we got to we got to end the points quick. So all the guys on the team, it was more like, we got to try to hit a winner. And, and, and let me just stress how hard it is to hit a winner in, in it just in general, it's you're more likely to hit an unforced error than, than they hit a winner. Now there's a lot of things that come into play there. If you have a big serve, it's going to be easier to hit a winner because you're going to get a shorter reply or a softer reply. And obviously probably the serve, plus one is going to be a little bit easier to hit a winner because you get the advantage. You get to, to start with this, the fastest shot you're going to hit and you get to start in the middle and they get to start on the corner. But I think that's where the, the misunderstanding was, was we need to end the points quick when it, it's, you know, I remember here's a good example is, you know, I was talking to, to Jose Agueras and, and Steven, I, I, he, it was actually an email thread and 
this girl I was working with, I said, how can we get our serve plus one better? And he said, okay, he gave me three rules. And, and rule one was go after your spots on your serve. Rule two was take, in, take advantage of an opportunity if the opportunity was there. Nowhere did he say hit a winner. And rule three is if, if, you, if you forget rule one and two, go back and, and look at those again. So, so basically, you know, what I see is you want it to, as a server, you want to try to stay in control. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to hit a winner. It's like you're, you're trying to stay in control if you can. There are times when obviously you can't stay in control. If I don't hit a good enough serve, but I hit a great return. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, let's start the point now. And a good example of that is, is Federer. I was looking at Federer and there was one particular shot I wanted to take a look at and see what did he do here? Cause the player I was working with, she would get a tough ball and she would try to change immediately. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to look at Federer. He must be, he's very good at one to four. He's one of the best, I think probably ever at the, at the, the quicker points. But so I looked for this one specific shot and the specific shot was, on the do side, if they take a ball to your forehand and it's fast, where does Federer go? Is he going to go try to stay in control and go line or is he going to go cross? So I was looking for the line saying, okay, how does he do this successfully? And I looked through probably 10 matches and I, I couldn't, I found one. And I think he was winning easily. But my point to that is sometimes if the return's too good, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, I'm going to send it back where it came from. That's too good. Now we start the point. So I think that was the misunderstanding originally with me is that means try to end the point in one to four. And I think the goal is produce the best ball you can without making too many errors because everyone's going to make errors. So, I mean, what do you think about that, Stephen? I, I said, it, said a mouthful, but I'm sure you have some stuff to add. Yeah, no, well said. I do think that getting the ball in play in the first on your first two shots is the most important thing. And like you said, it, it matters on who you're playing, how strong is the server, how strong is the returner. I mean, you basically have to judge the ball that you receive, right? I mean, if someone hits a good shot against you, you need to defend that ball and stay in the point. If someone hits a weaker shot, then you need to attack that ball. And then there's kind of everything in between. But bottom line is you want to put those first two balls in the court with as much energy as you can, but without taking too much risk. And I mean, that is you know, sort of the key to getting better at tennis and playing good tennis. Uh, but I do think that if players out there can understand when they've gone for too much and missed and then they can throttle back a little bit and then they can also understand that maybe they didn't do enough with an attackable ball then next time they can go a little bit more and I think if you can be self-aware of that as you're playing and as you're practicing then your serve plus one and return plus one will improve over time and if they improve then I know your results are going to improve because I know at least half of the match is going to be played within those first four shots if we get to percentages here and I know you know both of us have looked at this pretty extensively over time what percentage are the best players in the world what percentage are they getting their first two shots in play or uh, you know are they missing this is what i like to use is, is like well i'm going to just make up something but it, it's kind of right like the 80 20 rule so what i've noticed is there's not much of a difference between especially at the pro level a a good returner and a bad returner. But I would like to see, you know, you're in the 80s. Serve plus one, return plus one, returns 
Now, and that's in the women's game. In the men's game, seven out of 10 returns would be, would be pretty good because, you know, they're serving 20 miles an hour faster on average, which that's a huge advantage. My point to that is I didn't say 10 out of 10 because I could make 10 out of 10 returns. I could take, make 10 out of 10 first balls after a serve, and, but that means I'm not going to win as many. So I got to find that balance between staying in control or trying to force a mistake and not missing too much myself. Like, like I, I like how you, you say it, Stephen, you call it being like stingy. So that, that's what I'm seeing. What, what do you think? I think the takeaway there is for people who are going to practice this and chart it is I think it's a good goal to be getting eight out of 10, right? Can I get eight out of 10 returns in? Can I get eight out of 10 return plus ones in? And can I get eight out of 10 serve plus ones in? So if you're tracking it and you find you're making, if you only make six out of 10 returns, then you have to win all six of those points where you make the return to actually be ahead 6-4, um, which is pretty unlikely. Uh, so if you're not making, you know, seven, eight, nine returns out of 10, then you're going to really struggle to break. So I, I like thinking that eight out of 10 number like you're talking about. And I do think it's important that we point out that, you know, different people do have different game styles. And I know, you know, from scouting Simona Hallett before and looking at her returns, I mean, She's unbelievable in this category. I think she's 85, 87%, somewhere in there in this category. Now, Petra Kvitova had just as good a results as far as winning a couple of slams, um, but she's a really different player. She's a power player and she takes more risk. So Kvitova's numbers aren't as high as far as a serve plus one and a return plus one because she's taking more risk. But when she's taking more risk, Um, that's her game style. She has more power. She can hurt you, you know, right away. So I'm not giving people an excuse to miss a li- miss more, but I do want you to be wary of your game style and know that are you going for a bit more in order to win a higher percentage or is your game style to ex- extend points and therefore you need a high percentage in play? Like I think a great example is 2019 Halep Serena Williams final. Halep played incredible. She won the match two and two. She actually lost the zero to four rally length. So Serena won two more points in the in the zero to four rally length, but Halep was able to extend enough points past those four where she dominated after that and was able to win the match two and two. So again, keep in mind your game style, look for that eight out of 10, but then decide, am I taking more risk? And if I'm taking more risk in order to get a higher winning percentage, then that's okay. But you can't be taking so much risk that you're, that you're not even, you know, making enough. So unfortunately we can't give everybody the same um, sort of prescription to be successful, but I hope people are, understanding where we're coming from and getting a good feel for rally length and how it can be helpful and important to track in your own matches. Uh, can I add one more thing real quick? It's really hard to stop you from talking, mate. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So I was just, I was just thinking of, uh, you're talking, uh, I don't know if it was 2019, but I was thinking Nadal Medvedev final. I think for the tournament, Nadal had made 90% of returns. That's amazing in, in men's tennis. And Medvedev, it was like at 86 or 87%. Anyways, but they're way back. So if you think about it, if you had to guess, are, are they going to play longer points or, or shorter points? Well, if you're so far back, it's hard to force a mistake or hard to hit a winner from that far back. So you can see why they will get past that one to four. So far takes, back, just to clarify, you're talking about oh, sorry, um, yeah. their, their court the, position, right? Court position on the return. Yep. So you can see why it's hard for the server to first off hit a winner 
uh, from that when, when they're so far back, they can track stuff down. And also for the returner to force a mistake if they're pretty far back, it's basically they're trying to neutralize and start a rally. It, it, you know, I know Nadal moves up fast, so don't get me wrong. But anyways, I was just thinking about that. No, absolutely. And I got a kind of a last point here. I've been looking at some research and journal articles uh, recently, and there's one from 2019. And I want to uh, I want to credit the people that are given this um, information. So the, the article's called "Important Performance Characteristics in Elite Clay and Grass Court Tennis Match Play." So they're taking they looked at 984 matches from Roland Garros and Wimbledon. The authors here are Fitzpatrick Stone, Chopin, and Kelly, and they basically determined that the biggest statistic that most often determined the winner of the match was the zero to four rally length. So this kind of adds credibility to a, a very important part of tennis and the match that if you're able to win the zero to four rally length, then your chances of winning the match are very, very high. Now, I've seen a few different numbers, but 90%, I think, is, is one that Craig O'Shaughnessy is, has thrown out there. And, and I know from his data points and analytics that I'm, I'm sure that's accurate. We don't want you to focus on this because it's something that, you know, we just made up that we think it's important. This will absolutely determine the outcome of matches. Do you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's about what we have time for on today's episode of, uh, of Crunching the Numbers. We're happy to be with you uh, here and uh, from the US with an Australian accent and, and an American accent to give a bit of <laughs> diversity here. <laughs> You know, we're, we've taken over from uh, from Mark Sifoulis and, and Shane Leonard, who did an incredible job. So we'll we'll do our best and we'll try and uh, entertain you and bring you some some knowledge and opinions. And we'd love to hear from you on social media channels and wherever you can contact us. And I think just in just in leaving, Chris, do you have any just kind of real two summarized points that you would take from uh, from what we talked about today? For me, I w- what I would think is is. The, the first four charts are very important, as you mentioned, uh, toward, toward the outcome of the match. But more importantly, it's, it's just not at the pro level we're talking. This, this can be related to, to all aspects. I was watching a, a 4.0 women's league today. We're uh, practicing right next to the court. And then you'd see one lo- long rally. 4.0, it's kind of like an intermediate intermediate women's league. You'd see a, a long rally, and then you'd see a volley mis- first ball volley mistake, and then a return mistake to follow it up. It's not just at the, at the top levels, and it really will improve your game. Absolutely, and that reminds me of a point I wanted to make. I was, we were practicing this in the, with the juniors, and one of the juniors said, yeah, but, but they're pros. I mean, that's why they're so good at it. They're pros. They practice so much, and I think it's an important point to point out that, well, the pros play against pros, right? Who do you play against, kids? You play against kids <laughs> your yeah. same age and with, you know, relative power in the same area. And so don't think, oh, well, the pros can make eight out of 10, but if I make five out of 10, maybe I'm good. No, you don't face the pro serves and the pro returns. So I think yeah. the, good I think point. for me, the eight out of 10 number, I think is really key. And if you can, practice your serve plus one return plus one and and get around that eight and above number as often as you can then you're going to improve as a tennis player so chris thanks for your time today you were hardly obnoxious which is unusual yeah yeah can you believe it (laughs) thanks (laughs) david 
That was on my best behavior. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we look forward to doing more of this and let's keep in touch and we look forward to uh, bringing you more of these. Take care. Thank you. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.